Friday. It's my second favorite day of the week. Why do you ask? Well, when I was younger, it signaled the end of the school week, and I couldn't wait to get home from school. Now, for students across the state, every day is Saturday. Welcome to your New Mexico government. I'm your host, Khalil Colona. We've got a cool show for you today, but we want to know what you're up to. Tell us about your experience. How are you helping others? How are you adjusting to this new school schedule or the fact that there is no school? We've got a hotline and we'll play your messages on our show. Call 505-218-7084 or email us at yournmgov at gmail.com. The venerable rapper MC Light has a song titled I Cram to Understand You. When tossing around ideas for episodes, executive producer Marisa DeMarco and I thought that this would be the perfect theme for today. Cram to Understand. We focus on the impact the coronavirus pandemic is having on college students who are dealing with the sudden set of challenges and info. Who's not cramming on COVID right now? And who may feel that their future has been put on hold? I talked with a few college students, a counselor at the University of New Mexico, and an education advocate. But first, Marisa DeMarco is here with a quick rundown of what we know today, Friday, March 27th, as of 5 p.m. Congress passed the recovery bill today, and President Trump signed it shortly after. On this Your New Mexico Government post over at KUNM.org, I'll post links so you can see exactly how this $2 trillion breaks down fully. For millions of people around the country, it means some money is coming your way through the IRS. 1200 bucks for adults and 500 for each of your kids if you make less than $75,000 a year. Look for that direct deposit in April, or if you're expecting a mailed check, it'll come a little later. The relief package included small business loans and millions for corporations. All of this info comes from the Washington Post, which has a calculator you can use to figure out how much you're getting. I'll post a link to that, too. The New York Times is calling today's virus numbers grim. Nationally, the total number of cases went over 100,000, and more than 1,500 people have died. Here in New Mexico, the numbers also surged. 55 more people tested positive for the virus, putting the state's total at 191. About 17 people have been hospitalized. Most of the state's cases are connected to travel. Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham ordered travelers to put themselves into isolation for 14 days today and said involuntary quarantines could happen. And public schools are going to remain closed for the rest of the semester. The state's public education secretary said grades for work done from home will likely happen on a pass-fail basis and that high school seniors can still graduate by doing assignments and taking tests, including a college entrance exam. For your New Mexico government, I'm Marisa DeMarco. Think about being a college student right now. Each semester is extremely important. You have graduate school, internships, and jobs. They all hang in the balance. I wanted to get an idea of how it's affecting students and what their state of mind is during these times. So I reached out to Taylor Velasquez and Mandolin Eisenberg. I'll let them tell you their majors. Taylor first. I'm studying political science and American studies with another major in women's studies. I have one more year to go, hopefully, but who knows at this point? Yes. All up in the air. Three majors. Yes. That's a lot of work. It is, but it's worth it at the end. And here's Mandy. Um, my major was in, is, was, I don't know. Um, it was in a film, 
So it's a fine arts degree, and I was hoping to graduate in about a year, maybe a year and a half. One of the first questions I asked both of them was, how did they react to the news when they heard that school would be cutting back? Originally, I was just really um, concerned because I'm chronically ill. I have respiratory problems that I've had since I was born premature, and I've been hospitalized with different respiratory illnesses over the past few years. So immediately I was like, oh, it's time to go inside. And I acted pretty quickly. So I'm thankful for that. I've just been in my house for about 14 days. How is that? Which is, it's kind of lonely, but I've been keeping myself busy with art. I started making masks for the hospital a few days ago too. Okay. But I have to figure out how to get them to the hospital because I can't leave my house. No. <laughs> wow. I just like was kind of at a loss for words because I feel like, you know, we grow up wanting a snow day and we like pray for it and hope. But this is like totally different. You know, it's like a thing that we're not going to be able to get over in the foreseeable future. It's going to be like this long term adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. And have you spoken to any of your peers at school? How do they feel? I think we're all in the same boat right now. I think a lot of us are worried about, you know, advisement. Like, hmm. how are we going to access like all of our advisors and what advice are we going to be giving, what summer classes are going to look like, mm-hmm. what the fall classes are going to look like. Yeah. I mean, everything's just changing. I think a lot of people are really confused and like, I don't know, I know a lot of them were not taking it seriously. When I started to like hunger down two weeks ago, everyone was like, you're just panicking, you're going to be fine. And now the state is shut down. Yeah. So... Um, I think everyone probably feels very similar to me at this point. Just kind of, we're past the denial stages of grief. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone's probably shifting into like, you know, the other things. And, you know, Acceptance. with every day we start to accept this new way of life. So tell me, how has your mental health been since this has all started? I think it fluctuates a lot. I feel very concerned for my loved ones, of course. I think everyone feels that way. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like everyone is going through like stages of grief. Yeah. I think so. I've just been kind of trying to see how that goes. I don't know, but I think for the most part, I've been able to channel a lot of the feelings into art that feels very pertinent right now. Well, what type of art are you making? I'm working on a script for an episodic series, which is weirdly on the nose about what's happening right now. And I started writing that last year. So that's kind of creepy. Hmm. Um, And then I've been sewing. I paint as well as do some like ink stuff. So I've just been here doing that, letting the time pass. Okay. Also poetry. Poetry. It always helps. It really does. (laughs) It's a little overwhelming, especially, you know, we're halfway through the semester and all this happened, but it's taking it day by day, taking it as grateful as you can be, just pausing and saying, oh, I get to do this when I wouldn't be able to do it, especially here at KUNM. I've had a lot of opportunities that I'm grateful for. The stoppage, you guys have moved to a digital platform. Is that working for you? Well, we moved over to Zoom Mm -hmm. and I've had three classes yesterday, all my other classes, And it kind of glitches. You miss a lot of what your peers are saying. You miss half of what your professor is saying. You know, breakout groups are a little weird. Talking to people, like, in a camera in small groups, a little weird. Yeah. 
It changes things up, and it's different. There are different types of learners, auditory, kinesthetic, you know, very different types of learners. And, and, and how does that feel you? Do you feel like you, outside of the technical glitches, do you feel like you're really getting a grasp of the material? Probably not. Like, I'm the kind of learner who I like to be in a classroom. I like to have that one-on-one time, basically, with the professor. I like to, like, see my peers as they're talking. Those are things that can really sap motivation. So I wanted to be sure, how's your motivation doing? How are you feeling about school? My motivation, is it fluctuates. Um, Like I said, I'm chronically ill. I have, like, a chronic respiratory illness. I'm in the high-risk area for for dying from this. So on that hand, on one hand, I feel very motivated to try and get through this and take care of myself as well as I can and use this time to do things that I I want to do with my life mm-hmm. um, because I might not have more time to. But as far as after this goes, I feel like everything is so up in the air Especially if I don't go back to school, I kind of have to figure out what I'm going to do next. Um, So I'm just trying to, you know, remain hopeful. But it's kind of if things go back to the normal that wasn't working, my motivation is going to be probably a little bit hurt. Yeah. And if I, I mean, I hope things change and people become more compassionate, especially to those that kind of live with this normally. As someone who's chronically ill, I, it's interesting to see the world start to move and function in a way that is very similar to how I already was. Mm. Um, so that's interesting. Has school administration really reached out to you all to give you a clear picture of what is happening and what they're planning? I mean, I think they're just sending out so many emails that's just like... I don't know which one to read, which one is has the most accurate information. I think I get emails from, you know, the administration saying one thing, and then my professors will email and say, oh, we're doing X, Y, and Z, which is totally in contradiction with what administration said. And, like, even today, someone's like, oh, did you get this email? I'm like, no. And I checked, and I'm like, oh, it ended up in my junk email because oh. it's, like, just overwhelmed. Okay. So it's like an information overload, and you don't know what is what. Your professors are saying one thing, the administration says another thing, and here you are stuck with half a semester done. Mm -hmm. That's not fun. Not at all. (laughs) Not at all. Wow, wow, wow. Now I want to give a little bit of transparency. I was Mandolin Eisenberg's extracurricular teacher at Amy Bill High School. We had a screenwriting class and it was a lot of fun. And if she blows up and wins an Oscar, I'm totally going to take credit. But the one thing I've always, always admired about Mandy is that she is insightful and full of wisdom. I asked her a question about the new normal that we're seeing. Here's her response. I want to be hopeful and say that we won't go back to normalcy because what was normal wasn't working. Mm. But I think people are very selfish. Mm. And I don't know if I, I want to say that this is horrible and big enough that it wakes people up to how we really should be living. Um, but I think that's a lot to expect from people that don't know any other way to live, especially in America where we're so privileged and we're very used to getting what we want. Um, Mm. I think it's going to be really hard if we do end up shifting in that direction. Mm. I mean, I would, I'm hopeful that it would, but I'm also just 
very concerned that people aren't using this time to reshape how how their lives function. Yeah. For the most part, everyone is still clinging on to the the structures that they were living in before. And I think so many of those structures clearly don't work for us. That's something to think about. I made it a point to ask Taylor about the support she's getting. Does she feel supported? Here's her response. Yeah. My parents are really great with us. They're like, you know, we're here for you. You always have a home. Mm -hmm. And I think that takes a lot of stress away because I know people who are moving out of dorms who are like, I'm not from here. And they have to ask, hey, can I stay with you? And they're asking their roommates, parents who they've never met to stay with them. That's a pretty tough situation. I mean, a lot of people are being really great and really generous and letting these kids stay with them. But not everyone has that support. What would you say to school and government officials on behalf of yourself and other students? Good question. Um, I think right now a lot of college students just want a clear message. Like, this is what we're doing. And I think it's important to see, like, how they're planning in the future. Because right now it's like find a plan for the next seven weeks. But Mm -hmm. we want to know what's happening in the next year. Yeah. Like, this, people are saying that this could be, like, a year thing where we're all quarantined. I want to know what that looks like so I can best prepare myself and how I'm going to approach my education. Yeah. Especially that I'm graduating in a year, I would like to know how I'm going to finish up. That information is going to be very key to everyone. Something I ask a lot of people is, what are the lessons that we can learn from this? What can we pick up and take with us as we move forward in this new world? This is what Mandy shared. Probably just a lot of perspective and gratitude, I think, so often, especially in America, people take things for granted. And and I think everything, everybody takes a lot of things for granted. We take the people in our lives for granted that we'll see them every day. We take for granted that we'll have jobs and food and housing. And all of these things are starting to really be questioned as, well, how long will we have them? So I would hope that it makes people more grateful. But I also feel like Realistically speaking, I'm sure a lot of people are very angry right now. Angry, scared, and confused as to where they don't know what next week is going to bring, let alone next year. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's it's that you're grieving an old life that you thought you were going to have, especially like if uh, with all of these systems crumbling, I don't think anyone really knows what's supposed to come next. I don't know what's going to come next, but I know this. If we have leaders like these two young women, I think we're going to be all right. You heard from UNM students Taylor Velasquez and Mandolin Eisenberg. Schools are shutting down and people are scrambling to gauge how that affects students. But who has taken notice of how school closures will affect students on tribal lands and underserved students? Antonio Gonzalez from New Mexico PBS joins the show now to discuss it with me. Antonio, thanks for being with me. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now, are you and everyone in your family doing okay? We're all doing well. And thank you for asking and just good thoughts out for everybody in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and really the entire world who's also, you know, we're all in this together. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. So let me ask you, schools cancel for the rest of this term. Some students are happy. Some students are upset. Many places have asked students to do online learning. What problems does this create for people on tribal lands? So this is really a big challenge for many families, many Native students, and 
the 19 Pueblos in New Mexico, as well as the Apache tribes and the Navajo Nation, it's no secret that tribal lands are rural. There is unemployment issues, a lot of health disparity issues, but also there's lack of infrastructure. There are still um, many households on the Navajo Nation that still lack indoor plumbing. So just even having, you know, a house like we have in the cities is a huge problem. And then added to that is broadband. There's limited access to broadband. Tribes across the country and here in New Mexico, a lot of communities really rely on their tribal library. That's where um, there usually is an Internet connection. That's usually where they can go and do things like a for education, but also just things that maybe people in the cities take for granted of, you know, finding a recipe online or even just um, finding some, you know, doing some research online that students in the city may have access to. Um, There's also supplies. What about books and papers and stuff like that? Or even people probably may not have a computer or laptop at home that they can use along with the internet connection. And some of these people who are in real remote areas often have to go to the tribal library from which are already open from like eight to five. And so with the self-isolation, a lot of places are closed, including, you know, a lot of public areas. And then people who do have like cellular service and maybe they have some, you know, some Internet connection that they could get to with their phones. Um, A lot of people in rural areas have that. Like even when you go between Albuquerque and Santa Fe, you go through some of those pueblos, you have the drop-in connection. So that's a challenge. And um, we've heard from parents even before COVID-19 is that, you know, what do you do after 5 p.m. when there's nowhere for your student to um, do their homework? Some parents would drive to a nearby, you know, cafe or restaurant in a nearby town or city so that their children could, you know, use that internet service. So there are a lot of unique challenges that are facing Native families and Native students, and I think even educators as we take a look at that. And also there are tribes here in New Mexico and across the nation are sovereign nations. So some tribes have tribally run schools, others Native students go to public school. And then, of course, there are federally run Bureau of Indian education schools. And so tribes are following all of these different orders depending on whether it's the state or local. Maybe there's some students, say, first who live in a neighboring Pueblo, maybe they go to Santa Fe or, or maybe they go to a school in Albuquerque. So families have all these different obstacles that they're dealing with right now. That is very difficult because you can get a lot of different information coming from all these sources. But I want to circle back. Why is there such bad Internet infrastructure in some of these areas? What have been the barriers to access? Well, when you look at a big municipality, there are these companies, especially internet companies, who will serve these communities. But when you have the small communities with a limited number of people, sometimes it's not even worth it on the company's perspective to bring internet access there. Um, There's a lot of barriers. Um, We hear of tribal leaders grouping together to make their communities bigger so they can apply for, you know, a larger grant, which has happened with some Pueblos between Albuquerque and Santa Fe, they went for the E-rate program so that they could build their own internet connection and provide it to those tribal libraries. And so, you know, it's just a challenge of working with these different companies and state and federal level as well. Okay. Now, seeing that there's difficulty getting net service on a lot of tribal lands, are there alternative educational options emerging on tribal lands for students that aren't reliant upon the net? 
Yeah, I think that's what we're hearing right now is a lot of those discussions are taking place, um, especially with these school closures. The New Mexico does have a cabinet secretary of Indian Affairs, Lynn Trujillo, and she says that she's been in weekly conversations with tribal leaders on a variety of issues, but definitely education is one and how are they going to address these many different challenges that tribes and educators and parents are facing right now? Um, the other thing that I think is important to mention is because there's lack of infrastructure, there's also lack of access to health care. And Native people have some of the highest disparity rates in the country when it comes to diabetes and heart disease and other chronic illnesses. And so tribal leaders are really taking a look at this. In the past few weeks, they have closed off their reservation to visitors. And so that adds another challenge because they really want to prevent the spread of COVID-19 getting into their communities. So they're looking at how do these supplies or things that are needed for including for education, how are those going to be brought in to the communities without putting the community members at risk? So that's also something that tribal leaders are taking into consideration. Yeah, you got me thinking like so much of this information about the pandemic, it's emerging online. We've got public officials there live streaming their updates about policy changes. How does that information get to places that don't have Internet? So usually um, I would say a majority of tribes, you know, their Internet connection will be used at maybe a health clinic or the tribal administration building and to the uh, tribal library schools. Um, but as we know, those are most of those places are also closed right now. And that's one of the issues is that I think you'll see a lot of tribal leaders being on conference calls with the state, with the Indian Affairs Department, taking part in conference calls and, and using the telephone. Um, it's, it's sort of like the census. You know, we've been covering census and talking about how to reach tribal communities. And that's also one of the things that has been impacted is that these federal dollars are needed for all of these different programs. We're talking about healthcare, education, housing, and improving infrastructure in these communities. So I think a lot of people are just relying on the telephone. There's also tribal newspapers. Of course, those who can access uh, either internet connection or cell phone service, as far as I know, Facebook is still really popular among a lot of uh, Native people. And we've seen um, like census workers who have been using Facebook to get information out about the census. So we're seeing a lot of tribal leaders delivering their addresses to their citizens through Facebook so that they're limiting that social distancing. So a lot of um, information is being used that way. Okay. And uh, how can people help with these issues? You got me there. (laughs) I, um, you know, I, I guess I think that um, like a lot of people that they are looking um, for trusted sources in their communities, like Um, listening to information coming from uh, the tribal leadership office and sources and leaders in their communities, whether it's community advocates like their teachers or maybe there's some healthcare worker or somebody who's trusted in the community is the person who is helping the community members. And then there's a lot of grassroots groups, especially here in New Mexico and Albuquerque and Santa Fe. And those are the people who are working on the ground on a number of issues and including trying to address COVID-19. And also, you know, there's a lot of Native students who go to public schools. So people who in Santa Fe and Albuquerque, um, Gallup, uh, a lot of Native students going to different public schools, they're also being impacted because of, you know, what's going on with public schools. Um, The Native American Community Academy, they're following here in Albuquerque, they're following 
orders. Um, so I've seen a lot of information about um, trying to offer students meals. Um, and it's probably the same as what, you know, you're seeing with APS of, of how are we going to keep students fed during this time. So that's another challenge above these, all these other educational challenges. As we know uh, food security and food insecurity have a lot to do with learning as well. You have a lot of heavy lifting to do to address these issues. What should we be on the lookout for at New Mexico PBS? We are covering a variety of issues on New Mexico PBS. I'm as a correspondent for them. We did the census. We're covering some of the healthcare issues um, here in New Mexico that tribes are dealing with with COVID-19 and um, also looking at some of the economic impacts. Hopefully, Uh, Next week, as a lot of businesses are closed, tribes in New Mexico, a lot of them really rely on tourism. And so how is that going to impact not only the tribal government, but also people who are artists or people who, you know, are musicians and performers, uh, dancers, singers, you name it, people who rely on that income to feed their families and for their for everything. So, you know, there's a lot of people out of work in the state and around the world just, you know, like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to get through this one day at a time. We're going to have to help each other out. She's Antonia Gonzalez with New Mexico PBS. Antonia, thank you so much. You come back on the show again soon? All right. Thank you. And same to you and to all the listeners. We did reach out to the state's higher education department for this show, but a spokesperson said it would be better if we spoke to individual institutions. As things develop with school closures, you can be sure we will try them again. Bet on that. My next guest is a counselor at the University of New Mexico who I'm sure has spoken to many concerned students over the past few weeks. I'm sure she will have a unique perspective about their current struggles and tips for keeping things cool during trying times. Dr. Stephanie MacGyver, Director of Counseling Services at Student Health and Counseling for UNM, welcome to your New Mexico government. Hi, Khalil. How are you? How have you been? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Good. And I'm doing well. The sun just came out and that's great. But, you know, I've been sitting in the same place at my dining room table for the past five days and I'm kind of exhausted, not having change of venue for a few days, but adjusting to this working from home. Yeah. A lot of us are adjusting to it. I still am coming into the studio, but I believe as of next week, I will be working from home. And the idea of being able to do the podcast in my PJs does sound very appealing. I must say. Well, I I still get up and get dressed every morning as if I'm coming to work. And this is only temporary. I do intend to be back in the clinic on April 6th. But, yeah, I'm I'm learning some of these strategies of, of working from home, even though for me it's just temporary. I understand. Now, speaking about learning strategies of working from home and maintaining focus. So students have to take classes at home, have to take online classes at home. And we just got news that the school year for public schools are shut down for the rest of the year. What are some skills that students can do? I mean, you've talked to students, I'm sure, as this as this has developed. What are some of their worries that they've come to you with? Well, I think if we all recognize our participation in all of humanity and the whole history of, of mankind on this earth, there have been events that have disrupted our functioning, and we're not absolved from that just because we're in the year 2020. Life in the universe will hand us some things that we have to contend with as a global people. And this is our participation in this whole universal and human 
experience that life will come along as it does in smaller ways for, say, regions. It's the same thing when Mother Nature hits with a hurricane or a tornado. A large swath of humanity has to change how we function and use what resources are available to us. We're just now sharing this experience on a global scale. I think that's what's unique about it. But this has happened since the beginning of time to life on Earth, and it will continue to happen to life on Earth. And we're just getting a unique socially connected experience of it. Okay. I'm sure you've gotten a litany of students to come in with a with a litany of issues, you know. I mean, for instance, what do you say to a student who was weary with school to begin with, who always had one foot out of the door? How do you encourage them to keep with the program, to finish their education amidst all of these disruptions? I do. I and I have two college age kids and so I'm sharing the experience of college parents all over the nation and One of my kids is a residence advisor and lives on campus and made a decision to stay on campus to assist with students who could not go home. And so there's a part of me who, as a mom, you know, is worried and upset about that. And then there's this other part of me as a mom who is very proud and see that service-oriented consciousness in action. And I just want to make sure that child checks in with me every day and make sure to follow all the precautions that are recommended. And and so that makes it difficult. So part of my focus is on that. Uh, And I imagine that there are parents all over whose kids are in the same situation, still living on campus, can't leave campus for one reason or another. And I want those parents to know that we continue to monitor and take care of those students who are on campus. We're aware of their presence and we're not going to let them fall through the cracks while uh, they're still with us on campus. My other child was an international student in the UK and like many other parents around had to figure out how to get that child out of that country before that country shut down and before they were affected. And and so that child is in quarantine, which is why I'm in quarantine right now. So I'm sharing that experience with a number of parents and I'm hearing from both of them both the sadness of having to leave friends abruptly and leave things behind. And we've had lots of conversations about what that's like to have that experience and how to detach from some things during this time. You know, there are events that we don't have control over force us to deal with detachment in many ways. And so I'm discussing that with one of my kids, the one who came from overseas and had to leave many things behind. And so, yeah, I'm having this experience from their perspectives as well. Um, But I, from the time my kids became college students, I developed a different empathy with college parents, even my own parents and what they went through when they sent us off to school. So, so yeah, I am, I do have that perspective to offer, I think, in the the counseling that I do with college students right now. That's very, very helpful. Now, where can students and parents go for help? For UNM students, we direct people to the UNM main web page. So if you go to unm.edu, there's a banner across the top with updated COVID-19 information. And I encourage everyone to go to that web page. 
at counseling, if you go to shat.unm.edu, we also have updated COVID information. And so in addition to that, the governor's webpage, the Bernalillo County page, uh, the mayor's office page, all of those have, I think, well-connected and well-informed updated information about COVID. And so we encourage people, yes, to keep informed, but not too informed, because that's another coping strategy during these times is to disconnect from this inundation of social media and news media that can be overwhelming and exhausting and distressing. So I would recommend that we maybe choose one or two periods during the day where we check in on the updated information that we let it go because this constant inflow actually isn't good for our mental health. Yeah. It's not. And that's something we have to preserve and maintain during these trying times. I feel so much better. Do you promise to come on to the show in a few weeks and help me and our listeners feel better again? I would love to. Give me a call. I would love to and let you know what we're doing then. You know, all the mental health services, not just here at UNM or in New Mexico, but around the country, are sort of evolving because we're having to learn how to provide that care and what is the care that's needed during this very unique time. And so, yes, I would love to come on in a couple of weeks and let you know what are we doing now and what have we discovered now. I would be glad to share that. Be wonderful. Thank you so much. She's Dr. Stephanie MacGyver, Director of Counseling Services at Student Health and Counseling for the University of New Mexico. Thank you again for being on the show and thank you for giving us your perspective and sharing your expertise with us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Khalil. Take care. All right, that's about all the time we have for this week of Your New Mexico Government. Let's run down the resources we heard about today. And don't forget, if you want to tell us about other great community-led resources, send us an email, yournmgov at gmail.com. We'll be sure to share them. If you're a UNM student and you know one who wants to talk, head to shac.unm.edu to get access to the counseling services that Dr. MacGyver mentioned in our You can find a full list of the resources we talk about on each episode and opportunities to donate or help online at bit.ly slash YNMG Hub. And how are things going for you? Tell us about your story. Call 505-218-7084. We will play your messages on our show or you can email us at yournmgov at gmail.com. Monday's episode, Behind the Walls. We go into COVID-19's impact on prisons and jails. We talk with the ACLU, the Metro Detention Center, a public defender diagnosed with COVID-19, and more. That's all on Monday. Your New Mexico government is executive produced by Marisa DeMarco. It's produced by yours truly. News update by Marisa DeMarco. Music by Pope Yes, Yes, Y'all. Your New Mexico government is a collaboration between KUNM, New Mexico PBS, and the Santa Fe Reporter. Funding for our coverage is provided in part by the Thornburg Foundation and the New Mexico Local News Fund. You can find this show on KUNM.org or subscribe through iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For everyone here at Your New Mexico Government, thanks for listening. I'm Khalil Colonna. Have a great weekend.